Hey everybody, welcome back to the Extempers Bible. Today we're here with Mo Marks. Mo, thank you for taking taking the time to uh, to an interview. Um, for those of you who don't know Mo, uh, she actually won MBA, Sunbite, Nationals in Impromptu, won state uh, nine times in several different categories, finaled at Yale, GMU, Harvard, Glenbrooks, Blue Key, and finaled at Marshall four times. So I, I, it's fair to say that Mo is more than qualified for this interview. So thank you for agreeing to uh, hop on. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Awesome. I um, mean, with that, we'll just start with a couple of questions. Um, so first off, we'll start with one of my favorites in the classic. Um, but how exactly did you get started in extemporaneous speaking? So at the middle school I went to, we didn't have a very well-established program. Uh, it was the second year that the program existed when I was in eighth grade. And that meant that our only options were PF or original oratory. Um, so I got pushed into oratory because all of my PF partners quit. And then when I switched over to high school, I was like, I don't really enjoy oratory. It's not my favorite. I don't like having to do the same speech over and over. And they told me extemp would probably be something I would enjoy. So I did extemp and I enjoyed it a lot, pretty obviously. That's amazing to hear. And uh, with that, I guess, like, what specific qualities drove you to like extemp so much? Um, so the first thing that I really liked was the ability to talk about a diversity of different things within one tournament. Um, one of the things that really frustrates me about like prepared speeches is you become an expert on one topic, but for a lot of the people who I met throughout the circuit, they only knew about that one topic and maybe a little bit about what they had seen other speeches on. Whereas with Extemp, you get this huge knowledge base where you're capable of talking about anything, which is a much more useful real life skill than being an expert on one random thing. For sure, yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, you said there was like another thing, I think? Um, yeah, so another thing that I like about Extemp is uh, just, you know, the ability to like make these complex issues that we know about much more accessible. Um, and considering that I'm terrible at delivery and I always get comments that are like, hey, your delivery sucks. Uh, it's pretty interesting to a lot of people that I prefer like the delivery elements and making it funny and just having people leave the room with at least one or two more facts than they walked into the room with. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's something that's so special about extemporaneous speaking. It's the fact that you have like the unadulterated attention of a judge or sometimes even an entire audience of people. And for seven minutes, you have the ability to change their viewpoint or at the very least, make them reconsider things that they used to view at the absolute truths. And so I think that there's definitely something special about that. Um, and I know we, we uh, you know, we talked about this personally a little bit, little bit um, before we actually started this recording, um, but there's typically a point, uh, whether it's a tournament victory, which you have a lot of, or just something else where everything finally clicks. And it's like your aha moment where they realize that you know you can be successful in this activity. Um, when did that you know click moment happen for you? Yeah, so there's this tournament in Florida called the Sun Invitational. It's hosted by U School, um, and they used to have a round robin for extempers. They don't anymore because it just got a little bit too difficult to run. Um, and I got invited to that round robin my sophomore year, and I had just come from camp, so I had all of the like theory that I didn't have my freshman year. And in the first round of that round robin, I got to watch Chris Maximos, who, for listeners who are unfamiliar with him, finaled at nationals three times in USX. Um, I got to watch him give a speech about uh, Russia-US relations. And it like, was just the first time that I had seen somebody use the theory that I had heard at camp in that effective of a manner. And that partially comes from me just being on a smaller team, partially from being on a smaller circuit, but being able to see that theory in action in person for the first time really just allowed me to be like, oh my gosh, this is how extent is supposed to be done. And I really worked to like make that theory and that delivery into my own throughout my time in sophomore year. And I could definitely see myself getting better. I was breaking at national tournaments, even if I wasn't making it to finals. And then from there, it was all just sort of, you know, an upward progression, which is always a good thing. So, yeah, I would say that was probably my aha moment was that round robin. Totally. And I think that's a good segue then into two questions that are 
somewhat related, but a little bit different. Um, so first off, did you have any sort of role models in extent that you looked up to and tangentially related to that, were there any types of ex sorts of extempers or any specific names that come to mind in terms of people whose style you try to mimic or copy? Even? Um, yeah, so one of the things for me is that a lot of the extempers who I see around are like guys. And for a lot of girls, it's difficult to like imitate a guy's style of speaking just because things look so different, they sound so different. Um, so for me, one of the first women who I saw really be successful in extemp was Olivia Shoemaker from Lakeville North in Minnesota. Um, she, I got to watch her in Marshall finals my freshman year and more impactfully for me in the 2017 IX NSDA final. And she just did such a good job. It absolutely blew me away. And I really tried to like imitate what she had done there. I mean, I just thought she was the bee's knees for a long time. Um, but one person who I get compared to a lot, and I'm told has been really impactful on my style, is Lily Nellens. Um, once again, a female extemper. Um, and it's interesting to me because I've had maybe one internet conversation with her. We've never spoken in real life, but she taught everyone who taught me how to do extemp, how to do extemp. Um, so like the first time that my coach of two years saw me give a speech, he was like, you talk exactly like Lily Nellens. And I was like, I've never met her. Um, but even in the later part of my senior year, I was still getting comments on ballots that were like, you talk exactly like Lily Nellens. So I think that's pretty funny to me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, Lily Nellens has really had, and Olivia Shoemaker too, have both had like incredible impacts not just on the national circuit, but on its style as well. And they've incorporated yeah. some really amazing strategies. Well, a funny story about that. So um, in finals at Yale this year, my source check was done by Olivia Shoemaker. And I was like, I look up to you so much. You're so awesome. And she goes, you sound exactly like Jacob Thompson and Lily Nellens because JT and her always competed against each other when they were still in high school. And she had watched Lily Nellens, and I was like, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not, because I just told you that I want to sound like you, and you told me I sound exactly like someone else. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting how those things are all interconnected. For sure, for sure. I mean, if I was compared to Lily Nellens, I would be so happy. Uh, I think she's like the most decorated person in the history of Nashville. Oh, yeah. To be clear, I was not upset. I'm not mad when people compare me to her. Yeah, for sure. She's like insanely cool. And they're both from Iowa, right? Uh, Jacob Thompson and Lily Nellens? Yeah, so they're actually both from Roosevelt, and so is Nathan Lays. Um, and I am also from Roosevelt. <laughs> um, so uh, we like to joke that Extemp is like the one event that Iowa's good at. <laughs> and I mean, we definitely have people who final in other events, but it's just Extemp is the one that we seem to consistently be able to do. For sure, yeah. I mean, lots of schools have like that one forte event for them. But I guess then, you know, when you were more of a young person watching these people in Iowa, you know, you have like some of the most recognizable names in extent, Lillian Islands, Jacob Thompson, Nathan Lays. I guess, can you just elaborate on that? What was that like? And uh, did you see any sort of like valuable, gain any valuable experiences from that? Um, well, on one hand, it could be pretty intimidating. Uh, I learned how to do cross-ex while JT was preparing for MBA his senior year. He needed a partner to do cross-ex. I was the only extemper at practice that day. So freshman, you get to go try and cross-ex this like insanely good top of the national circuit speaker. Um, so that was pretty intimidating. Uh, but it was also really helpful because when I was prepping for state my freshman year, Nathan Lays came back from college and was like, here, I can help you prep. And I was like, this is insane. This is amazing. So, I mean, there were definitely pros and cons. Um, I don't know how much, like, theory they taught me, but they definitely gave me just someone to listen to my speeches and tell me what exactly it was that I was missing in order to, like, take my speaking to the next level. Completely, completely. I think, obviously, you know, it's always nice to have some sort of people on your team that can act as... Um, I won't say guiding figures, but people who can be helpful. And it's definitely nice to be able to talk to extempers like that. Um, 
I guess on a more fun note, you know, speaking of like, I guess, I don't know how I can relate this, but I mean, um, speaking of tournaments, I guess, uh, tournament officials have written some truly horrible questions and also some pretty good ones. Um, but are there any particular ones, in your opinion, that stand out as like either the cream of the crop or like, you know, just that like seven-year-old piece of gum at the bottom of the barrel? Yeah, so I absolutely love hypothetical rounds. And I was just telling you how my experience listening to Chris Maximus helped me figure out how to put theory together in my brain. Um, so I, the speech that I was watching of Chris Maximus's was on the question, Donald Trump admits to having an extramarital affair with Vladimir Putin. How does this impact Russia-US relations? And I could not stop cackling that entire speech. I had so much fun watching it. Um, on the other end of things, uh, literally the next weekend, I went to Marshall. And um, that tournament has somewhat of a habit of like using the same questions year after year, which I definitely wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't made it as many rounds because they generally like rotate which questions are in which round year after year. Um, but I have seen and heard speeches multiple times on the question, what does the future hold for Syria? And I told one of the novices on my team, oh my gosh, that's a terrible question. I can't understand why they, I just do not understand why they continue to use it. And she was like, I don't get why it's bad. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it. But then you think about it a little and you're like, well, I mean, the future probably holds people living in there and Syria having an economy and having a leader like it's just way way too broad and it's difficult to write questions or, or, or it's difficult to write speeches on very broad questions um but then on the more ridiculous end of things i've also seen a couple of times um what should be kim il-sung's next move except they've like crossed out kim il-sung in very light blue pen so you can definitely still see it says kim il-sung and they've replaced it with kim jong-un and i'm like oh, come on, you could at least reprint it, like, or put black Sharpie so we can't see that it says Kim Il-sung. And so there's been so many times where I've been tempted to just be like, answer it about what Kim Il-sung should do next. Like, talk about decomposition. Talk about, like, funeral rites or something. I don't know, get ridiculous with it. Like, the temptation to tell people that if the tournament's not going to put in any effort, then you shouldn't either is just insanely high when we get those kinds of questions <laughs> chaotic neutral but yeah <laughs> <laughs> eventually maybe they may have to uh scratch out kim jong-un's name and replace it with his sister um oh not you too twitter <laughs> thinks he's dead often enough for me yeah granted I, i'm getting that from like the new york post so it's probably not the best source but I, the man does have his health problem so it could go either way <laughs> um you, you talk a lot about like theory and different applications of that in XTEM. Um, so again, this is more of a two-part question, but first off, do you have any books that, or uh, books that you really like? And then second off, do you have any pieces of theory, you know, perhaps that aren't in a book that like extempers can find elsewhere, maybe just like a, a basic Wikipedia search um, that you really like to use in XTEM? Yeah. So um, my favorite book right now is probably Gaming the Vote by William Poundstone. I think it was published in 2017 or 2018. Um, it's about how U.S. politics and U.S. policy have been impacted by having an unfair electoral system. Um, it also talks very frankly about issues of like sexism and racism. Um, I mean, the prologue of the book literally talks about how 90, or not 90, how 55% of white voters voted for David Duke in the 1991 Louisiana governor's election. So, like, if you're not comfortable to face how racist and sexist America is, probably not the book for you. But at the same time, it has so many different useful statistics in it that, like, illustrate those issues and illustrate how our policy has been influenced by just like how messed up our politics are that I find it super interesting and super applicable to a bunch of different speeches. Um, in terms of theory, I generally, well, not to like open up my secrets or whatever, um, but our AP Lang teacher uh, my junior year of high school gave us this like packet of theories out of one of her textbooks from college and was like, 
here's a bunch of theories that I use to analyze nonfiction books about current events. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is super useful. Um, so it's like feminist theory, neoliberal theory, that sort of stuff. I still have the packet. I think it's at home though, instead of here at college with me. Um, but I think those are really useful because the way it works is it makes your analysis seem much more coherent and it allows you to create an umbrella answer. So if you want to go with a feminist theory, um, when asked a question about, say, economic liberation or economic success in, say, sub-Saharan Africa, you could go with that with a very broad lens. But I find that my analysis is much more deep if I answer a question that is like, um, how can sub-Saharan Africa strengthen its economies? Like, that's ridiculously broad. You could never answer that in seven minutes. So if you say, well, they can strengthen their economies by supporting women. And then you can talk in one point about agriculture because most sub-Saharan African farmers are women. And then you can talk about fintech because it's oftentimes women who can't get loans because of sexist laws. And then you can talk about business ownership because almost no women in sub-Saharan Africa own their own businesses. So by using that feminist lens as your umbrella answer, it allows you to make your speech much more coherent, but also have your analysis be much more pointed, if you understand what I mean. Oh yeah, definitely, I understand that. I'll have to check out that book. I'm still shocked, wow. Uh, David Duke, he was the uh, former Grand Wizard for the KKK, right? Correct, but his explanation of why he wasn't racist anymore when he was running for governor of Louisiana was that he had found Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I think that that's especially relevant now, you know. Um, yeah. Oh just, yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, when we talk about like this voter uh, disenfranchisement happening and um, all of like the shenanigans going on with the census and uh, gerrymandering, I think it's definitely relevant, especially in the context of 2020. So great read. I'll yeah. That myself. Um, um, and then I think another thing too, <laughs> yeah, she's showing the book right now. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing, you know, I think that you brought up there that I, I want to elaborate on and get your opinion on is, you know, a lot of people write these very broad questions in extent, where it's really hard without being reductive to answer in seven minutes. Like, what does the future hold for the sub-Saharan African economy or something like that? So in cases mm -hmm. like that, do you have any advice for extempers on how to handle those super broad questions? Yeah, just like your umbrella answer is absolutely critical. Um, you can address a lot of stuff if you use an impact as your umbrella statement. So similar to what I did there with feminist theory, if answering that same question, you gave the impact of like climate change. And so your the, the way you would do your umbrella there would be they need to take steps to mitigate the impacts of climate change on their economy. And then you can talk about a number of different ways that climate change impacts the economy. And it wouldn't feel reductive because by giving an impact as your, uh, by giving an impact that impacts everybody in the region, regardless of whether or not they're engaged in the different um, actions that can cause climate change to get worse, you've made it so that you can talk about very specific things while still impacting out to the entire region and thus answering the very broad question. Yeah, completely. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Um, and then, and just like in terms of other pieces of extemp advice that you may find more helpful, along your career, what have been like the most helpful pieces of advice you've received that you'd like to pass on to other extempers? Um, this one comes from my first of three head coaches that Roosevelt has had during my time there, um, and that is just have fun. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, speech and debate is an extracurricular activity. That means you have chosen to do it and you are doing it because you enjoy it or because there's something you get out of it. And if you're not having fun, then you're just like hurting yourself, wasting your money by being part of it. Not only that, but you also give better speeches when you're having fun. I know for a fact that if I walk into a room smiling, like a legitimate smile rather than my creepy serial killer smile that comes on when I'm trying to force myself to smile so it looks like I'm having fun, I get higher ranks. I also chill out more and the more chilled out you are, the less anxious you are, which definitely comes across in your speaking. 
and the easier it is to memorize because by not focusing on all of those other anxieties it's a lot easier to remember like oh economist may 6th or like new york times june 2nd like it's so much easier to remember those sources and dates when you're not freaking out about other things as well um one of the things that i do to like help myself have fun is i will play games on my computer in the prep room and a bunch of people are like well why aren't you reading you should be reading and i'm like um any and all filing or information that I was going to get, I need to already have or else it is too late because I'm not internalizing anything at this point. So I know it helps some people to read in the prep room, but if you find that that leads to you getting more anxious, then like try playing a game or something at least once. And like, if your coach yells at you for it, you definitely didn't hear it from me. <laughs> yeah, there, there are lots of other things too you can use to like, I guess, I don't know, like the right word, maybe de-stress, um, you know, yeah. I like to listen to music. You know, this one, one friend of mine did public forum debate, uh, but before each round, he would wash his hands with really cold water that he'd spit in a sink. It's a really weird tradition, but I don't know, I, I guess it made him like happier and like less stressed out, so just do your- When I was, when I was doing public forum debate, my partner and I used to draw memes on our flow pads um, it definitely took up space that we did not have despair, but let's face it, we were bad at flowing anyway, so it wasn't really a problem. Um, but it definitely helped us be like, oh my gosh, we're definitely listening to them impact that U.S. lives matter more than Venezuelan lives. Okay, meme time. So it, it definitely helps to have a little bit of enjoyment once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Poke fun at the question, uh, you know, poke fun at yourselves a little bit and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, now, another thing, I guess, related to that, you know, less to do with a piece of advice and more to do with practice. Um, I think that's definitely a really important part of extemporary routines and the adage, you know, practice makes perfect is definitely applicable in this limited preparation event. So do you have any words of wisdom uh, when it comes to practicing for other extempers? Yeah, so one thing that's helped me, especially being on a small team, especially having coaches who didn't necessarily have the like time or ability to help me, um, recording yourself is very useful. Uh, I'm assuming that by now everyone has learned how to use Zoom because unfortunately 2020 is what it is. Um, but Zoom has a super helpful recording function on it. I always used to record on my laptop, but I like ran out of space eventually. So Zoom's ability to save in the cloud is good for that. I know a lot of people hate watching and listening to their own voices and recording. I can barely do it to this day, and I spent four years practicing by recording and watching myself, um, but it's so helpful. I mean, you get better so much faster when you can see what you're doing wrong and then try and troubleshoot it from there rather than listening to other people tell you what they're seeing is wrong and trying to troubleshoot from there. It just like takes out the middleman and it makes it so much easier to improve. Yeah, I should probably start doing that myself. I, I feel awkward when I record myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know we talked about, you know, your favorite books, your favorite types of theory in extent, but what are your favorite sources to read? Um, my number one favorite source is The Economist. Uh, part of this comes from the fact that I was always told you need to read more conservative sources. You're basically a Marxist at this point. Um, and The Economist is just a little bit right of center. But it does such a good job of analyzing topics, giving you statistics about those topics in like within analysis rather than separate from the analysis. It also sometimes has fun little like quips inside of the articles, which then you can be like, yoink, my quip now, time for extemp. Uh, and the other thing is, is that if you source out your quips when you say them, then it's like, there's peer pressure for the judge to laugh is how it was explained to me. And frankly, I've seen a lot of success with using the economist explains that so-and-so is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it, it definitely is a source of humor that I appreciate. Um, the way that it was phrased to me and that I tell it to people still to this day is if you read the economist print edition cover to cover every week, you wouldn't need to do any more filing. You would be prepared to give speeches. And in the era where online prep wasn't a thing, that definitely wasn't true because you need more diversity of sources. But in the era of online prep, I can kind of see why people would do that. 
Um, I definitely don't encourage it because I love reading think tanks, but my favorite news publication is definitely The Economist because they just do a good job of like giving both a broad range of topics and deep analysis on all of those topics. Completely agree. Uh, actually, fun fact, um, The Extemper's Bible was sort of like a play on what a lot of people described The Economist as, which was like their version of like The Extemp Bible. Um, yeah. But... I know we just talked about rule changes and we sort of like alluded to, you know, uh, open internet, which was something that the NSDA actually recently announced would like be this nationwide change. So all tournaments would allow open internet if they were part of the NSDA. Um, I guess with that, are there any other sort of rule changes that you'd like to see in Um, Yeah, so unpopular opinion. I know it's helped a lot of people. But I think that auto-filing services like Extempgenie should probably be banned. Um, the reason that the NSDA decided to open up the internet was because of the equity issue of, oh, well, some people can't file. But the Extempers Genie, or like Extempgenie and other sources like it that do auto-filing also pose a serious equity issue. Because for somebody who can pay for the Extempgenie service on their computer, they're getting a lot more sources than people who can't pay for that service. And the problem within that is that when you're creating that like paywall barrier between this thing that makes it way easier to do extemp and people who can't have that thing, you're making it easier for people who have more money, which is like the opposite of what speech and debate is supposed to be about. The other thing is that not only does it harm people who can't get extemp genie, it also harms people who can get extemp genie because they're filing less and therefore they're probably reading less. And at the end of the day, uh, without the good foundation of knowledge that you get from reading and filing, I don't know how you're going to be successful in doing our event. Um, and then finally, not only does it hurt users on both sides of the spectrum of whether or not they have it, but it also harms the publications and the journalists that work at the publications that Extempgenie draws articles from. Because rather than paying for subscriptions for each person who they're pulling files for, the Extempgenie just breaks the paywall and doesn't like pay the journalists whose materials they're using. And I'm I'm not sure if that's changed maybe. I know there's been some serious blowback against them about it, but to the best of my knowledge, that is still how they are operating today, which means that they're not paying journalists for their hard work in an era where journalism and print media are already starting to lose traction. And I just like disagree fundamentally with the idea that that is okay at all. And I have been tempted on many occasions to use Extemp Genie, because I'm the only national circuit extemper on my team, and I'm the only extemper who files routinely on my team, and watching my friends like have this service that makes filing so much easier for them has been super tempting for me. But at the end of the day, I just cannot justify it, and I think that some sort of rule change should be made so that like other people can't use it either. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, that completely makes sense. Yeah, and I definitely do think it's an issue of equity and then also, I, I, I do think that it's unfair to the journalists who wrote those articles. Um, and I, I, didn't, I didn't even know that they broke the paywall, so thank you for bringing that to my attention. I found it out at ETOC about a month before I decided like, that I was going to pay for Genie because I decided my sophomore year I was going to buy Genie. I was going to go all in for nationals. You know, I had been doing well at these national circuit tournaments. Surely it was time that I like, put a bigger financial investment in. And then one of the coaches at ETOC told me, and I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. I can't do that. I, and I was so like glad that I hadn't paid for it. And then I did a bunch more filing because of it. And frankly, that probably helped me in the long run. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the other advantage. It's, as you talked about, getting more familiar with the news. Um, and it probably paid off that you didn't use Extempgenie and you read the news yourself. You know, you won the MBA, which is incredible. Um, for those of you who don't know, like MBA is this very like uh, prestigious um, round robin. The top 16 extempers in the nation get invited and then they go head to head. And um, it's this very grueling process, very complicated questions. And some of the most respected judges in the entire world of extemp. So 
Um, with that and uh, said, I guess, how did you stay so consistent during the tournament and end up winning it all? Um, well, first of all, it definitely helps me personally that it wasn't a tournament because my friends and I like to joke that someone needs to give me Heimlich after every semifinal because that's where I always choke. Um, I'm very inconsistent in out rounds because I do get anxious. That's why having fun is something that I like have to mentally try to do. Um, so it helped me personally that all 10 rounds held the exact same weight. Um, it also helped me that I actually continued to prep the same way throughout the lead up to MBA. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's generally the first or second weekend of January, depending on the year which means that it's coming directly off of Christmas break. So a lot of people quit doing their filing, quit giving their practice speeches because they don't have access to their coaches and they are supposed to be, you know, celebrating the holidays with their family or whatever. Um, and there's generally two ways that I've seen people go, which is way, way over prepping and then being burnt out by the time that MBA rolls around or way, way under prepping and then not having any of the knowledge that they need by the time that MBA rolls around. Um, I will admit that I was on the underprepped side my junior year. Um, I walked in like not having given a speech since before Christmas, um, having filed maybe 10 articles a day since I got out of school. Like I definitely was not doing my best extent work at that point in time. So my senior year, I just kind of tried to prep the exact same way. And I think that was really beneficial to me because it kept my brain in tournament mode while at the same time not way overdoing it the way that I've seen some of my friends do. Um, the other thing that I helped that I think really helped me was that uh, I had really good coaching my senior year. Um, so Ananth mentioned uh, while talking about MBA that the judge pool is super good. The problem is uh, that when the judge pool is super good, there's a chance that your coach may not be qualified to judge in the MBA judge pool. And that's exactly what happened to me because my coach, as awesome as they are, as cool and wonderful and helpful as they have been for me, um, has like no experience coaching or judging extent, which means basically that I had to find someone else to be my coach for the weekend. Um, and originally I wanted to go with Chris McDonald, who is a coach for Egan in Minnesota. Um, but he was having some really serious health issues. So I ended up going with Yatesh Singh instead, who uh, was Olivia Shoemaker's coach at Lakeville North. So, you know, nice sort of full circle thing for me there. Um, and he really helped me with getting prepped. Um, I seriously credit him a lot with that win because like he watched me give so many speeches, gave me critique that I hadn't heard before and just gave me so much new information that really helped me with like just stepping it up for MBA. Another thing about MBA is that they have probably the hardest questions in the country. I hesitate to say that because someone's going to be like, oh, well, here's this insanely difficult question that I got at ETOC that I have no idea how to answer. And then I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, but MBA seriously has some of the toughest, toughest questions to answer. Um, so what Yatesh and I did is we sat down before the tournament and wrote hundreds of questions. We wrote every topic area out, then we wrote out like subtopics for each of those topic areas, and then questions for each of those subtopics. And just going through and like knowing what it was possible for me to get asked questions about, like calmed me down so much and helped me just be ready. Um, the other thing is, is that MBA posts this graph, which I can only refer to as like infernal between rounds. Um, and it's basically unlabeled dots. Um, each competitor is assigned a number. That dot corresponds with their number. You don't know what your number is. You just see the labels on the graphs. And you can watch the dots go like up and down because it publishes lines with them. And you can just like see like, oh, well, person who was in fourth place is now in eighth place. Wow, they really sucked last round. Um, and one of the things that I did my junior year that I didn't do my senior year was I was obsessed with the graph my junior year. And it's really hard to not get obsessed with the graph because they publish it on the door of the prep room. So you have to see it no matter what. My senior year, I didn't even look at it. I literally like saw the prep room door 
like looked at the doorknob, did not even glance at the dots, didn't want to know what the trend was, did not want to know anything. And that seriously helped me because on the other hand, some of my closest friends were literally just staring at the graph, just like obsessively. Um, I know Jimmy Gao has done some work with the Extempers Bible. We had like a lunch break at one point and I walked back into prep and Jimmy was just staring at the wall and I was like, what are you doing, bud? And he's like, the graph. And I'm like, dude, chill. <laughs> um, so it's, and it's so tempting. Like you don't understand until you get there. It is so tempting to stare at the graph and just like, look at what's happening. Sure. And my senior year, I didn't let myself do it. <laughs> and that was so much more helpful in terms of like chilling out. Definitely. Yeah. I'd imagine that requires quite a bit of mental fortitude. And um, but you yeah. just get in that like, you know, game mode. Um, one other question about MBA, I'm a little bit curious, but you know, you talked about how they have really difficult questions. Um, and I'm sure from what I've heard before, they also have very interesting ones as well. And they've like, I guess, push the bounds of extent and explore its creativity. Um, are there any like really memorable questions that stand out from the tournament or round robin? Oh my goodness. Um, all of them. Uh, if you so one of the things that MBA does that other tournaments don't do is they do what they refer to as an experimental round. Um, so my junior year, you got to give a sales pitch for a charity. And then at the end of the tournament, there's four rooms, four people in each room. Um, they chose the four people who had won those rounds. And those four people got to give their sales pitch at dinner to the folks who were like the head donors of the school. And we ended up donating like $1,500 to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at the end of the tournament. And I was like, nice. Like that's an awesome idea for a round. And the fact that they like had money behind it and told us if you give a good enough sales pitch, your money is getting donated. Like I was like, that's awesome. Um, but then my they switched the experimental round year to year. Um, my senior year, it was um, give a speech with a visual aid. Uh, write your own question. You can use PowerPoint on your laptop to make your visual aid. You can do whatever you want. So I'm sitting there like basically banging my head against the table. I have no idea what to write a question on. There's so many things I'm interested in. So I went the opposite route of most of my peers and decided I'm going to find a visual aid and then I'm gonna write my speech. So I ended up using my makeup bag, which I had in my backpack that day because my friend Kay Rollins had like a black eye or something, I don't remember. So I had brought makeup to like help her out. Um, and I ended up using my makeup bag as my visual aid and giving a speech on the question, um, what should corporations be doing to reform mica mining um, I think that might have just been the question, like, what can corporations do to reform mica mining? Um, and that was such a fun speech to give because it's something that I just, like, had niche knowledge of because I had seen it in a cosmetic store one time and been like, ooh, I'm going to research that now. Um, but that was a really fun round. Um, I also answered, should the United States buy Greenland? Um, uh, if you remember... Uh, that was right after Qasem Soleimani was killed. I cross-exed a speech about whether or not the United States was going to go to war with Iran, um, which at the time was like the biggest issue because it was the only thing that had happened in 2020. And now we look back at that and we're like, Do the world war this year. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of crazy. And then another one of the experimental rounds they did this year was um, the premise was so the way they do hypotheticals at MBA is they give you press releases throughout the tournament and you don't know what they're about so the first press release we get is like we are running up to the caucuses and primaries here in Iowa uh, the ballots are ready everyone's so excited to go it's going to be awesome and then it gets a little bit weirder and it's like with huge changes that have just come about we have no idea who could be the front runner for president in the next six months and I'm like okay huge changes got it um and you have to remember Donald Trump was being impeached at this point in time. So he had just been impeached. He hadn't been, like the Senate hadn't done their thing. They hadn't said he's not getting removed from office. Um, so the final press release was, not only has Donald Trump been impeached, the Senate has decided to remove him from office and Mike Pence has said he's not running. You are a Republican. 
now explain to us why you should be the president and tell us which Republican you are. Um, there were so many good speeches that round too. I think I chose like Martha McSally from Arizona. And I was like, I was like, well, I have a ton of experience in the Air Force. So, you know, I can protect us from Iran. <laughs> because once again, this was back when war with Iran was the most concerning possibility for the United States. Um, I think I also made some offhand comment about like, and I can stop that Chinese disease from coming to the United States. And now we look back on that and we're like, nobody could stop that. It was inevitable. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, quite, quite a pity there. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit curious about one of those experimental rounds you know, where people got to write their own questions. What was the weirdest question that you remember someone writing? Um, do you know Anarima Mumineni? Uh, yeah, yeah. She actually helped out with uh, our camp this summer. Okay, she's awesome. Uh, she and I were prepping in the hallway at the same time, so I didn't get to see her speech because I was in another room. But I heard her prepping, why do we dream? And I was like, that's so epic. Why didn't I think to not write a question on current events? I should have just written a question about my info topic and talked about that. Like, I, I would have loved to see that speech because I know she got good ranks that round, and that is such an interesting question to me. So. I mean, that was probably the best. The best one that I saw, I was third in my round, so I only saw the person who I cross-exed, which was Kay, and she talked, or Kay Rollins, and she talked about how, um, like, mental health issues can be addressed in the speech and debate community, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so topical. That's such a good speech as well. Yeah. Like, nobody wrote a bad question. We're all a bunch of, like, extempers who are probably writing questions for our own teams, if not tournaments. Like, of course, we're perfectly capable of writing questions. <laughs> For sure. So, for sure. yeah. Um, and with that, I guess I'm sorry. I keep saying one more question, but I mean, as more knowledge rolls in, I, I I'm just more and more curious. Um, with that, you know, a lot of these topics seem like very you know niche and specific, as you say. And I think that in Extem, there's this almost unrelenting emphasis on sources and sources and sources. You know, two to three sources for each point. So with these really specific questions, I guess how how if at all were you and other extempers able to balance like relevant and up-to-date uh, sources with your speech? I think a lot of it is that the reason we were interested in these niche topics is because we had read about them. And I know that for me, my interest in the mica mining industry came from an internet spiral. And I mean, you need what, 10 sources to write a speech? So like, if you just use some of those sources out of your internet spiral, you've probably got a perfectly good speech right there. The other thing is, is that I know when I draw a bunch of questions that I'm not filed enough on just because filing on your own is tough at tournaments, um, you can use analogies from other countries as like proof of why something is going to happen in the country that you're talking about. Um, so like, I'm trying to think of a good example for that. And I know I've done it before and now I'm like totally blanking. Um, but like, okay, let's say negative interest rates is your question. And you're talking about United States negative interest rates. And you pull the question because in your head, you're like, oh, I filed a bunch on the Fed. I'm fine. And then you get back and all of your articles are about why the Fed should do X, Y, or Z, but none of them have to do with negative interest rates. You can go into your Japan files and be like, the Japan Times explains that negative interest rates have pushed lenders, or rather have pushed borrowers away from Japan for fear of their money not being as valuable in those banks. That's probably exactly what we'd see in the United States. So you're not necessarily using a source that is technically relevant to your speech, but at the same time, your source is perfectly relevant to your speech because like, it's about the exact same thing that you're talking about, just somewhere else. And I find that that's much easier to do in IX than DX. Um, so of course I gave you a DX example because, you know, big brain hours. Um, <laughs> but like, that's one way that you can do it with niche topics. Yeah, completely. And I think that's definitely super useful. It's gotta be really, I guess, creative in the ways you apply things and think about different cross examples you can reference. And the more speeches you give, the more, like the greater this like web of knowledge you have. And so you can start making those connections really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, let's, let's go over a couple more questions. Looks like I have four more on my list. Um, so you come from a smaller school than most, especially recently. Um, 
So do you have any pieces of advice for extempers that don't have uh, the grand infrastructure that big, bigger schools like Plano might have? Yeah, so just because your school doesn't have the infrastructure to support you doesn't mean that the infrastructure to support you doesn't exist. I know that the NSDA on their like front page of their website has a list of scholarships available and a list of grants available for like I know I've gotten one for travel specifically um, because let's face it uh, nobody in their right mind would be able to travel all over the country alone and pay for plane tickets alone and all of that stuff just like every single weekend of the school year. I also know that there are some um, like separate from the NSDA who will do grants and scholarships, basically look around and you will be able to find something. Um, another useful thing for me has been reaching out to tournament directors and being like, hey, I really want to come to your tournament, but I cannot at all in any way afford a night in your tournament hotel because somehow they always choose the most expensive hotel in the city for the tournament hotel without fail. Um, so like, there was one time that I was invited to stay at the house of one of the students who went to the school that was running the tournament. Um, that was pretty cool. Probably wouldn't have done it if I didn't know the student beforehand, but I did, so it was chill. Um, like, if you have friends in other cities, like, feel free to reach out to them and be like, hey, can I stay with you? I know that I've offered my house to a couple of people who are coming to tournaments in Des Moines before. So it's, and I mean, I've seen the same thing happen for a couple of my friends. So it's, really helpful to reach out to other people and like be open and honest about your situation and talk about like the fact that you don't have a coach to support you you can't necessarily get hotel accommodations if you're traveling alone that sort of thing um so then the other piece of advice i have is that a lot of the times the things that are most frustrating and difficult about being a small school extemper can also help you and i know for me specifically, that when I stopped trying to work around that stuff, I started getting better. And I know that it was probably because, like, I was getting better for other reasons, but, like, <laughs> I still like to think that at least some of this helped me. Um, so I used to be in a filing coalition with the university school in Florida. Um, I decided to drop out of the coalition because I realized that I was starting to lean on it a lot and I was focusing on things other than filing and I was being less prepared for tournaments. So I just cut myself off cold turkey and I was like, nope, gotta go file on my own. Uh, and I did, and I got better and I definitely got more knowledgeable. And so if you have the opportunity to be part of a filing coalition, definitely go for it. But at the same time, like being self-filed also helps you be more knowledgeable, you know? Um, so I definitely see a value in being a small school extemper. Um, I've also gotten better at coaching from being a small school extemper because I don't have like a coaching staff there to support me. So not only am I coaching myself by watching my own videos, I'm also coaching my teammates by like watching them give speeches because our coach knows how to do interp and they're super good at interp. But at the same time, uh, an interp coach isn't as helpful when you're trying to do high level extemp. So uh, there's definitely things that you can do to support yourself, but also remember at the end of the day, there's some benefits you have that big school kids don't necessarily have. Yeah, that seems like a very useful piece of insight. Um, just going over the last three. So first off, what's been like your proudest extemp achievement? I um, the answer to this one, but. Uh, yeah, so I'm very proud of some of my own achievements. Um, I'm really proud of MBA. That took a lot of hard work. Um, it was me actually being consistent for the first time ever um, because I always choke in late rounds. Um, but at the same time, I'm also really proud of a lot of the stuff I've done more locally. Um, on the state level, I picketed DX my last year at, on my way to winning the state championship. And that was like huge for me because like I said, I'm terrible about consistency. I mean, even regionally, like I'm getting beaten by people who I've like never heard of before. And I'm like, why am I constantly getting beaten by two people every weekend? And then I'm like, oh, wait a second, because I always give terrible final round speeches. I remember. Um, and so it's just this thing that's like so frustrating. And so these times when I can be consistent are when I'm really happy with my own achievements. But I'm also super proud of the stuff that my teammates have done, because like I mentioned, I basically on some level have been coaching them like some of them I encouraged to go to camp. 
at like one specific place because that's where I had seen success. Um, some of them I like encouraged to join different events or do something differently. And so for me, it was really exciting uh, when this guy named Kyle Weston, who I doubt any of your listeners have met before, um, won our IX state championship this year because he started off in PF and I was like, hey, what if you transitioned over to like Congress or Extemp or something? Because he was super good with the thinking on his feet and not so good at the arguing with other people part, um, which is kind of critical to debate. Uh, but he switched over to Congress. And I was like, you should really do Extemp because this guy is so good at like thinking on his feet and that sort of thing. And so he finally switched over to Extemp. He put in a lot of hard work. I was really happy to see his growth and he won our state championship in IX. And Perhaps more importantly to me narcissistically, he beat a couple of our school's rivals along the way. So, you know, that's always good. Team. <laughs> and I was I, I was so proud of him. So, I mean, the term proud can be, mean both proud of other people and proud of yourself. So in terms of myself, MBA or my last state championship, in terms of other people, definitely Kyle's state championship. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's great to hear that, you, that you've been a leader on your team. Um, if you didn't do extemp, I know you talked about like how you went from, uh, what was it, original oratory over to extemp. Um, but like if you didn't do extemporaneous speaking, what event would you do? Um, yeah, so for the record, uh, I have done six events this year. I have done a bunch more in years past. Um, but I would probably switch over to either impromptu or info. And I know that impromptu isn't a main event, but it's what I'm really good at and it's what I love. So, you know, that's why that one's in there. Um, but then for main events, it would probably be info because I really, really enjoy info. I'm also like somehow better at info than extemp, which is kind of frustrating because extemp's what I put all of my time and energy and heart into. And then I like walk into a tournament and place higher in info. Um, I was thinking about it last night and at tournaments where I've competed in both info and extemp, there have only been I think two or three times that I've placed higher in extemp than info, which is just so frustrating. Like you don't even understand. It's just aggravating. And not, like not to complain about being successful. It's like complaining about the way in which I've been successful. <laughs> um, but I'd probably switch over to info, not just because of success, but also because I really enjoy it as like a form of speech. I enjoy getting to geek out about things as evidenced by my Micah speech at MBA. Um, and info is literally just the ultimate, okay, guys, here's this thing that I'm super interested in today. You all need to listen to me talk about it now. You can also get away with being a lot more inappropriate in info, I've noticed. Um, I don't know what rating you want your podcast to be, um, but my entire speech uh, my senior year for info was about extra nipples. So most people have two, but some people have three or four or in one memorable case, like 15. So I'm, this is like something that I just kind of, you know, circled around for a while over the summer. And I was like, okay, this is my info now. Um, and I gave my entire speech about boobs, basically. And I had like fake boobs that I pulled out as one of my info visuals. And the judges were like, yeah, this is fine, whatever. Meanwhile, in extent, I make a boob joke like one time and the judge writes on my ballot, you're a disgrace, that's inappropriate, six. So I really enjoy the amount that I'm able to get away with in info versus how much I can get away with in extemp. Um, and info would probably be my number one choice, um, even though oratory is what I've been doing for longer. And I've technically been doing Congress and PF for longer as well. Yeah. I mean, it seems really nice, honestly, that like there are more, I guess, I'd say less conservative in that respect, you know, especially in extemp. Like you make like a that's what she said joke or like the the classic pullout joke. Like I remember at Glenbrook. Oh yeah. And um, judges' their reactions can vary quite a bit on that. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely got roasted for making a pullout joke in the Glenbrook's final, and then literally the next weekend I was back at it at the Mason final. Like, anyways, here's both a dick joke and a butt joke. Nice. Um, <laughs> but I I didn't even get into info intentionally. Um. I was, it was that year at Mason that I made a dick joke and a butt joke in the final round of Extemp that I started doing uh, info because 
my coach had accidentally signed me up for info. I think I said I wanted to be an impromptu or something. He typed in I. There was only one event with an I. I got entered into it. It was info, not impromptu. Um, so it's Wednesday. The round robin that I am competing in starts Friday, and then the tournament is Saturday, Sunday. And so on Wednesday, he's like, you have an info, right? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I'm double checking our registration. And um, either I'm going to need $50 to drop you because there's a late drop fee, or you're going to need to have an info. So I go home that night, and I'm just like reading through the Scientific American because I guess that's what I imagine info people do. Uh, and I find this one article about how the same chemical process that makes lava lamps work is also being used by this firm in Germany to create a cure for cancer. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to talk about. So that night I write my info. I call up my friend who's got two state championships in info. And I say, hey, look, I need your help making visuals. I can't go to a print store because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. And I like don't have any time and all the print stores are closed because it's midnight. And so she's like, okay, go out to your garage. And I'm out of my garage. And she's like, do you see anything that even kind of a little bit relates to what you're talking about? I'm like, water. Yes, there is water in lava lamps. I can do this. So I end up making a lava lamp in the middle of my speech. Um, and I'm like, yeah, so you can see they're not mixing. That's the chemical process. Here's how the chemical process works, blah, 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 informer people stuff. Um, and I'm like, just going through the tournament, I'm like, I just got to get through prelims and I can focus on extemp and I'll be done with this stupid info thing. So I make it to quarterfinals and info. Um, and I'm also in quarterfinals and extemp, but somehow I've gotten into the most double entered stacked extemp quarter because there's five out of the six of us in the quarterfinal who are double entered. And Mason is spread out across the entire campus. So I'm all the way across campus from the info building. And I'm like, up at the front of prep and I'm like, hey, is there any way I can get moved forward? Info's in this flight. And the guy who's running prep is like, I'm so sorry, but everyone else in your room is double entered. So I end up going fourth in extent. And then I have to get to my room for info, at which point I open up my texts because I leave my phone on airplane mode while doing extent. And I've got a bunch of frantic texts from this friend of mine from Florida who's like, you need to get to info now. They started info at the same time as extent draw. I'm like, oh gosh, because it had been an hour after extent draw like by the time that I finally drew for extemp uh, and finally gave my speech for extemp. So I run over to the info room. And when I get there, the judges are walking out of the room and have their ballots signed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to let me speak, please. It's the tournament's fault. I'm late, not mine, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, we've already disqualified you. We can't undo it. I guess this is just the end of info for you. I'm like, that's so not fair. So I finally get them to watch my speech. And the entire time, none of them are writing. I can tell none of them are going to change their ballot. And I just walk out of the room in tears. I'm so upset. And it's like completely illogical because I didn't plan on doing this event and I didn't care at all about it until like 20 minutes ago. And I'm just like sobbing and I run into my coach and my coach is like, what is going on? Why are you literally in tears crying, walking around the George Mason campus? And I like explained to him what happened and he goes, oh, that's so unfair. I'm gonna go talk to Tabru. So Tabroom just writes my name at the bottom of the schematic and is like, okay, yeah, you can have a shot at semifinals. Why not? We don't care. Like, you either get out and made it to semifinals and it's obvious to everyone that you didn't belong there or you make it through to finals. So I win my semifinal because, of course, that's how things go. And then I'm double entered again in finals for info and extemp. And this time I go up to the draw person and I'm like, you need to let me draw first. Like, I cannot be late again. It would kill me emotionally. And he's like, well, actually, two other people in the room are double entered. So I end up going third, but this time they started info at the right time. I actually make it to the round on time. And of course, this is one of the eventually many tournaments in my history of doing speech and debate where I place higher in info than extemp because I get second in info after getting fourth in extemp. So love that for me. What a story. That, that's the and, ultimate and, proof though. <laughs> Funny enough, funny enough, the kid who told the judges to stay in the room and was texting me frantically, like, you need to get to info now, don't take time to go get lunch, ended up winning the tournament. So we All love right. him. Shout out, shout out Corey Wardenberger, if you're listening to this. I love you. You're wonderful. Thanks, <laughs> bud.
that's amazing yeah that, that's karma for you um yeah and just one final question uh, another classic um but what are your future plans now that you know you've graduated high school and um you're done with high school extent yeah so i am currently at simpson college in indianola um i've been like thinking about going here since sixth grade so i'm pretty pretty pumped to be where i am uh, I'm double majoring international relations and global management. I plan on using those majors to like, I don't know, get a job. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, the US State Department allows you to become a foreign service officer um, and you can like focus on communications or political issues or economic issues. I think I'd like to focus on economic issues Obviously, if they decide they have too many foreign service officers, they don't even open up the like program for applicants sometimes. Um, so I could also end up working in like the CIA or the FBI. I'd be interested in working at a think tank, but I don't know that I'm like a good enough writer to work in a think tank. Uh, so I, I mean, I would certainly be interested in doing it if the opportunity arose, but I would like to work in a government position at some point. Um, my family likes to joke that I just want to do extemp as my job. And then I'm like, eh, but I don't really want to do extemp coaching because that just seems a little bit too stressful for me. And they're like, oh, so you want to go solve the problems for real because that'll be less stressful than teaching kids how to solve the problems for real. And I'm like, yeah, why not? So I guess I want my job to be extemp. And then obviously I'm doing the speech and debate team here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look forward to seeing your name uh, plastered on the walls in like political circles. Couple of years oh gosh, <laughs> I I doubt it. I severely doubt it. Diplomats yeah. don't get their names plastered places. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. But thank you so much. This has been like a super informative interview. Um, hopefully, everyone who's listening still finds it helpful. Um, but yeah, this is really awesome. And uh, best of luck at Simpson College. Thanks. I had a good time. Awesome.